0: Looking for a special gift for that fag in your life?
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Get that friend of Armstrong and Getty some A&G merch! Ah! For 19, our latest a logo tees, hoodies, and more. The Punch Violence in the Face t-shirt. Or the Castigat Redendo Morris tee is available. The Yo-Yo-Yo and the updated Stupid Should Hurt tee. The new Cal
0: Unicornia state flag tee. We even brought back our classic AG ketchup and mustard logo. Buy them now at the Armstrong and Getty Superstore. Find it at armstrongandgetty.com.
1: Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of
0: Armstrong and Getty. How to Beat Trump is a new book by a guy named Mark Halpern. I don't know if you know him, but if you follow politics, you probably do do. He and another guy he worked with uh, named uh, Heilman, Hal, Halpern Heilman, they were a big political pundit duo for a while, and they wrote probably the most famous political book of the last half century, Game Change, which was made into a movie. Um, but Halpern is really good. He's one of my favorite pundits. And he's in this book. He talked to, I think, 50 different top political strategists in the country, Republicans and Democrats, on what it would take to beat Trump with the vast majority of saying Trump is most likely going to win. That's the most likely outcome. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And Halperin's thing is to just figure out what's happening. He's not an advocate for either side, and he's super uh, clear-eyed and smart and perceptive, and his contacts are are great. He's also uh, the only person I was watching on national
0: TV back in 2016 who was saying, I think Trump could win as he was surrounded by New York Beltway people who thought it was just laughable. Right, and mocked him for R- it at the, times. Remember the Huffington Post covered Trump in the entertainment section
1: mm-hmm. because yeah. they didn't think it was worth covering in the political section. That's some powerful stuff. Ooh, maybe if you'd covered him in the political section, uh, your voters would have turned out anyway.
0: If you're interested in politics at all, it's worth sitting through this segment because by the time we get to the end of this, Halperin says some
1: things that are a different way to look at the whole deal. Keeping in mind that this is a a couple of small chunks of the extra-large podcast we just uh, recorded, which you can check out wherever podcasts are given away for free. Here's a little of our conversation.
2: The biggest worry of all that the Democrats have, along with not starting soon enough to think about the general election, which is disqualifying the Democrats. Disqualifying. That's
0: a heck of a term, not just a bump in the road.
2: (laughs) George Bush disqualified John Kerry for a lot of Americans. They made him a flip-flopper unacceptable. Barack Obama disqualified uh, uh, Mitt Romney by saying he only cared about the rich people in this country, Bain Capital, et cetera. Bill Clinton disqualified Bob Dole. You go back and look at those three guys, all reelected the year before the election and look at what the press said about their chances for reelection, much grimmer than what people say about Trump, despite Trump's low approval rating. Uh, one year uh, one year before the general election, Trump, uh, 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 when Obama was running for election, the New York times magazine ran a cover story titled is Obama toast. And their scientific formula said that Obama's chances for being reelected were 17%. A year later, he was overwhelmingly reelected because he disqualified Mitt Romney, not for everybody, but for enough people that he was able to get reelected. And that is the theory of the case of the Trump campaign. And that is why the Democrats I talked to for how to beat Trump say, you can only beat Trump if you are strong enough to survive, hundreds of millions of dollars of negative ads, Trump's Twitter feed, Trump's press conferences, in which he will try to do to the Democrat who is nominated what he did to Jeb Bush, what he did to John Kasich, what he did to Chris Christie, what he did to Hillary Clinton, which is destroy them politically. Make, make fun them of them un- physically? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes, physically, mentally. I mean Trump is the master. You know, the single greatest skill you can have for the presidential candidate is the ability to define your opponent on your terms. And that is Donald Trump's single greatest skill.
1: I want to clarify something that that was the back half of an absolutely blockbuster statement. He said that there are three issues that Bernie and uh, Elizabeth Warren have touted, and to some extent Joe Biden, that are utterly disqualifying. The American people will not vote for a person who advocates open borders with absolutely no criminality of crossing the border. Health care for illegal aliens. That issue alone is disqualifying. And uh, the third one was uh, removal of all private insurance, just outlawing it and making it all mandatory government insurance. He said any of those three stances are disqualifying, and several of the lead Democrats have embraced them. So they're done. Joe went on to challenge Halpern for his predictions. If you... Were offered a thousand dollar bet on any of the Democratic candidates at this point. Would you throw that thousand dollars down, or is it just way too unclear at this point? And you don't more, don't name any it, names it, if you don't want.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's more unclear than it's been for either party in my career. Uh, I think I think if I had to pick someone today, it'd be Elizabeth Warren. But I don't think she's been tested yet, and I think over the next couple months she will be tested. And I'm I'm based on how she's performed when she's been pressured, like with her problems with her talking about her native american heritage i'm not sure she'll pass that God, and intent, she's got so.
0: no chance of winning in a
2: general election
0: i just i can't imagine well, anybody winning who's for health care free health care for illegals i just can't imagine that winning
2: that that is that is a, the view of donald trump and is the view of nancy pelosi and when those two agree generally i would think it's probably true so yeah uh, you, you're you're right and 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 you've got a, a, a you know a lot of the leading candidates have that position so I don't think it's clear who the nominee will be. If I had to pick today, I'd say Elizabeth Warren, but, but I, I don't feel strongly about it. I think I think, uh, I think Sanders and Buttigieg could be the nominee. I've been very down on Biden's candidacy from the beginning, and nothing I've seen has, has caused me to alter that. He still does well in the national polls, but I think, I think he's more likely to finish third or fourth or even fifth in Iowa than he is first or second, and wow. I think that'll do a lot of damage to his candidacy. Wow.
0: He thinks Biden will think finish fourth or fifth could finish fourth or fifth in Iowa. Well, then he's done. I mean, that'd just be the end, right? You'd oh, have to pull yeah. the plug.
1: It'd be humiliating. Oh. I mean, he might... Well, no, they'd pour all their resources into South Carolina for a last-ditch effort to, to somehow... A sad you know, end to a long political career. Nah, I would call that accurate, yes. Now, what about you-know-who lurking in the darkness, ready to burst back onto the scene? And how does Hillary... uh relate to the field as it stands now what are the chances she gets in uh more good stuff with uh, mark Halperin.
0: there are a lot of crap political books that get written when the, the season is hot and they know they can sell them this isn't one of them this is really really a good book and i've always really liked your punditry but we can't let you go without asking you about hillary it, it, yeah. What's the chance she gets in? Her answer the other day sounded so Clinton-esque to me. Where She, had, she oh, said, lots yeah. of people have been asking me, <laughs> and I'm not going to rule it
1: out now. Not ruling it out
0: now sounds like a yes to me.
1: She That's said, good, and I quote, yep. many, many, many people are pressuring her. Triple many. <laughs> yeah.
2: Look, I was struck by that same thing, too. A lot of times people say, "Oh, a lot of people are asking me to run for you know Senator or governor or president, and they just you know basically their 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 bookkeeper and their daughter is asking them to run right she's being asked she's being asked by a lot of people. It's the most undercovered story in, in the in politics today. The panic that exists in the Democratic Party over the concern that Sanders or Warren or Buttigieg will be the nominee, and they'll and it'll happen in the blink of an eye. One of them will win both Iowa and New Hampshire say and basically lock things up. And the party will be in a panic because they don't think that those people can win. Schumer doesn't think they can win. Pelosi doesn't think they can win. So many of the other the donors, so many of the other elected officials. So that's why you see Deval Patrick getting in the race. That's why I see Michael Bloomberg you know, thinking about getting in the race. And that's why people are saying to Hillary Clinton, look, you can raise the money. You know how to do this. You got more votes than the popular vote last time. You could... You could correct the mistakes he made. Does in, she in believe Wisconsin.
0: her own it's lies? It. Does she believe any of her own lies about it was stolen by Russia or it's about misogyny? Does she recognize uh, she's a bad candidate and people don't like her? She,
2: <laughs> she 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 I think she believes all those things. She knows she's not a great candidate, but I believe and I think she has some cause to think so. That she was hurt by by what Putin did without a doubt. But but, uh, you know, I, I, th- I think I've said this before. I think that history is going to show. That the, what what helped Donald Trump more than anything else was the decision, the misguided and in some ways selfish decisions that Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden made to decide to run for president. Neither of them should have run. They both they both were were such obviously manifestly bad presidential candidates. Hillary Clinton allowed Trump to win, and Biden, even if he's not the Democratic nominee, he kept other establishment candidates from getting in the race, allowing Warren and Sanders and Buttigieg to to, to rise up, and now. It may be too late for any other establishment candidate to to get into the game. And the party may be left because because of Joe Biden's decision with somebody who can't win a general election because of those positions we talked about. Joe, you don't have to do this. Barack Obama, right? (laughs) You don't have to do this. And 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 he was talked out of it before. And just look at his record. I mean, he ran in 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 2008 and he got one percent in Iowa. And he he campaigned one percent. He, he was well. He <laughs> now was that's well a stat, known, you know. And and so yeah, you know. I don't. I think I think Barack Obama and Bill Clinton agree with what I said. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer think these guys can't win.
1: So the three that are nominatable are unelectable,
0: according to Democrats, according to Barack Obama,
1: according to Bill Clinton, according to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Right. That's incredible. And the one who is Electable is not nominatable. Joe Biden. And he's barely a electable man. I've been saying this from the beginning. He's a terrible candidate. So, that,
0: so that's what the donors and the power brokers are trying to figure out. What do we do with that riddle? Right. Deval Patrick. Yeah, I don't know enough about Deval him. Deval and Amy. That is something, though. Wow, no wonder there's uh, there's there's panic behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... It's going to be interesting. You know, I, I, it's, it's not shocking. I just, I guess I just thought maybe the country's moved so far I didn't recognize it when they all stood up on the debate stage and raised their hand and said, "Oh yeah, free health care for illegals." Bill Clinton and Barack Obama were as shocked as me. Mm-hmm. Apparently, right? They had the same reaction I had. What? Oh no! You can't win with that. Right, right. That's interesting. We, hey. talk, we talked to Mark Halpern for about an hour, and the podcast is pretty good if you like that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. Yep, good stuff. Smart guy, calls it like he sees it. Uh, Really enjoyed the chat, and we're going to be talking to him on a semi-regular basis, particularly after the holidays, as the uh, election thing ramps up. Cool. Yeah, looking forward to that. Armstrong and Getty, you're listening
0: to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. New for '19, AMG merch. Our latest AMG logo tees, hoodies, and more. I am now at the Armstrong and Getty Superstore. at
1: ArmstrongandGetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Instagram this week will be removing the ability to see the recent like and comment history of other users. Meanwhile, Facebook is going to start posting your credit card numbers and home address. (laughs) I wasn't paying attention. Was that funny?
2: Uh, Instagram is uh, making it harder to see likes and then, but uh, meanwhile, oh, Facebook oh, right. is posting yeah. your social yeah. security
1: number. I was reading about that the other day. There are a couple of countries where they're doing pilot programs, I guess, where you don't see your likes and people are much happier.
0: Yeah, I was surprised when I found out, um, my uh, fourth grader, Sam, wanted to, he wanted his own YouTube channel, because he's got a couple of friends that have one, and we, we said you're not going to have a YouTube channel. But um, he was talking about how many likes his friends get on their videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I thought that's interesting that you're aware of that.
1: Well, listen, at my advanced age and cantankerous disposition, um, I was really surprised, and it pains me to admit this. I, uh, this is Joe Getty's painful admission. Welcome to Joe Bears' Soul. Do we have the theme music, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) How about our new transition
0: music? Welcome
1: to Joe Bears' Soul. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, throat singing, you know. It's uh, popular air in the third world. I figured I I, I have... uh realized I'm gifted at this naturally I mean I could do it like a ringing a bell I would be the Mongolian Elvis if I went over there. <laughs> Anyway where were we please turn that off Oh so uh I I tweeted something or other and it was reasonably clever by my standards and I was kind of proud of it and I, I I decided to see how it had done, if people re- were retweeting it or liking it or whatever. And as I opened up Twitter, I realized that I was doing so with a feeling of dread. Huh. My, the chemicals being unleashed by my brain at that moment were the, Oh God, I hope it's not bad. I hope it's not bad. I hope it's not disappointing. Really? That's interesting. And I thought, wait a minute. That's interesting. Who? What have you become? Um, I'm telling you. And, and again, I think it matters that, you know, I'm of middle age and cantankerous disposition. What if you're a tender hearted child or young person, sensitive, still desperately trying to figure out who you are and find your place in the world? Um I just I hate it. I hate that. Oh, it's got abuse a, of even, our young people. I
0: can't even imagine yeah. when you're at that age, when you're trying to figure out how popular you are. How much do people like me? Right. That's 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 one of the main things you're figuring out starting at age like I don't know 11 or 12. Right. Um is how how much do people like me in my personality? Right. I'm at an age I know exactly how much people do or don't like me. Mm. I mean that's pretty much set in stone. Indeed. <laughs> I should have done better, but it's
1: too late now. But if you're yes. if you're
0: 12 and you're trying to figure that out, getting those likes would just
1: be so huge. Well, and let's remember, it's not just perhaps a disappointing number of likes and retweets. It is absolutely savage negativity, intentional hurtfulness, and in the comments and that sort of thing, depending on what social media you're talking about. So mm. just, just unhealthy as hell. So, so many, so many roads we could go down right now, uh, Armstrong and Getty show wise. Uh, I'm just, I'm drowning in great stuff to talk about. Mm. The third world country that California has become. Again, I, you know, it's, it's like, uh, d- that's a catchy song.
0: Like that
1: and that kicks yes. I could do that. I could I'd totally do that. It's funny. All of all these years I've spent becoming a hack guitar player, I could just—I could roll out of bed and do that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> day hated who they I'm telling you, this could be—they'll uh, over in Mongolia. <laughs> it's gonna be the Mongolian Elvis. Like self-help shows and <laughs> and books and stuff will be written about. Listen. This guy was a useless dope. He's middle-aged. Then he found his real meaning in life. So don't give up. Keep plugging, uh, and became, that became the monkey and Elvis, right? That's how you <I> gotta get it. That's a little. Top of the vocal cords. Gotta practice some. Go on home. Do it once or twice. <laughs> hail, now he will be. Ham bone, ham bone, what do you say? And then remember, I'm going to reinterpret all sorts of classic rock songs in that style to sell records in Mongolia. I, I'm assuming they still have records. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. His life is life from this monstrosity. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah new uh. stairway <laughs> got out it down New Orleans sold in a bucket down in New Orleans <laughs> brown sugar brown sugar tastes so good you know that's uh, taste so fine yeah I'm telling
0: you you're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show Armstrong and Getty looking for a special gift for that fag in your life whoa whoa whoa
1: whoa, whoa. get that friend of Armstrong and Getty some AG merch oh. new 19, our latest a logo tees, hoodies, and more. The Punch Violence in the Face t-shirt, or
0: the Castigat Redendo Morris tee is available. The Yo-Yo-Yo and the updated
1: Stupid Should Hurt tee. The new Cal Unicornia State Flag tee.
0: We even brought back our classic a Ketchup and Mustard logo.
1: Buy them now at the Armstrong and Getty Superstore. Find it at armstrongandgetty.com Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So, I became aware of this through our good friend Tim Sandifer. Um, Tim, the lawyer of the Goldwater Institute. The Washington Post ran this editorial by Richard Stengel, who's the former editor of Time, which used to be a magazine, kids, which used to be when they would print a website on paper, because <laughs> there weren't websites.
0: It's amazing. I used to look forward to Time magazine showing up, when, like when I was in high school, once a week. I can't wait to see what the news is this yeah. week.
1: Yeah, I'd love to, It too. That comes
0: on mm-hmm. Thursday so crazy to think that that's the way you had to get your info
1: yep he's also the author of a book and he was the state department's undersecretary for public diplomacy and public affairs from 2013 to 2016 the uh piece is entitled why america needs a hate speech law and i appreciate the washington post and others like them running uh, various opinions that they might or might not agree with because it's the whole marketplace of ideas thing. I
0: only like things I agree with. Enter mm.
1: my uh, my purview. Well, before I get into this guy's absolutely horrific argument against freedom of speech, uh I must quote the great HL Mencken. The whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. In simpler speech, they try to get you scared, then they take your rights. And or they get themselves vaulted into power vowing to protect you. When I was a journalist, writes Richard Stengel, I love Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr.'s assertion that the Constitution and First Amendment are not just about protecting, quote, free thought for those we agree with, but freedom for those for the thought we hate. But as a government official traveling around the world championing the values of free speech, I came to see how our First Amendment standard is an outlier. Uh, I would jump in and say a glorious outlier. Is that a problem?
0: You don't. You, you. I don't immediately assume being an outlier with the rest of the world is a problem. Even most, the most of the world's
1: a mess. Even the most sophisticated Arab diplomats that I dealt with did not understand why the First Amendment allows someone to burn the Quran. Why they asked me, "Would you ever want to protect that?" Um. Hey, Richard. Why don't you send me over there? I'll take 10 minutes to explain it to them. But he acts like it's an unanswerable question. It's a fair question, he says. Well, yeah, it is a fair question, but it's also perfectly answerable. Yes, the First Amendment protects the thoughts we hate, but it should not protect hateful speech that can cause violence by one group against another. In an age when everyone has a megaphone, that seems like a design flaw. It's important to remember that our First Amendment doesn't just protect the good guys. Our foremost liberty also protects any bad actors who hide behind it to weaken our society. In the weeks leading up to the recent election, Russia's Internet Research Agency planted false stories, hoping they would go viral. They did. Russian agents assumed fake identities, and it was all protected by the First Amendment. Boy, he's going way further than I even expected out of this article. The amendment rests on the notion that the truth will win out in what the Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas called a marketplace of ideas. This marketplace model a long history going back, he explains it, but no one ever quite explained how good ideas drive out bad ideas, how truth triumphs over falsehood. Milton, an early opponent of censorship, I'm getting madder and madder as I read this. (laughs) Honest to God, I'm having trouble maintaining an uh, equilibrium. Uh, Give me a second. You might fall over? Is that what you're saying? Uh, No, emotional equilibrium. (laughs) But thank you for your concern. Uh, Milton, an early opponent of censorship, said truth would prevail in a free and open encounter. A century later, the framers believed the marketplace was necessary for people to make informed choices in a democracy. Somehow magically, truth would emerge. That is an incredibly condescending and, uh, and loaded phrase. The presumption has always been that the marketplace would offer a level playing field, but in an age of social media, that landscape was neither level nor fair. Then he mentioned studies that showed that middle schoolers and high schoolers had trouble telling the difference between sponsored content and an actual news story. And then he points out that many nations have passed laws to curb the incitement of racial and religious hatred. Aw, we call them hate speech laws, but there's no agreed-upon definition, he concedes. In general, hate speech is speech that attacks and insults people on the basis of race, religion, ethnic origin, and sexual orientation. I think it's time to consider these statutes. The current law holds that speech that directly incites imminent lawless action can be restricted, but speech doesn't pull a trigger. But does anyone seriously doubt that hateful speech creates a climate where such acts are more likely. All speech is not equal, and where truth cannot drive out lies, we must add new guardrails. I'm all for protecting thought that we hate, but not speech that incites hate. It undermines the very values of the fair marketplace of ideas that the First Amendment is designed to protect. That is one of the most insidious, evil, dishonest, hubristic And dangerous things I've ever read.
0: Well, we probably ought to pair that with whatever the poll said the other day about the percentage of young people that think that uh, the whole free
1: speech thing needs to be reconsidered. Right. Right. First of all, sir, you have implied that you and people like you can be trusted in defining what is acceptable and what is unacceptable speech. How will you implement that? you'll be in power, right, to pass the laws restricting speech. So the people in power in government will be empowered to limit my speech. But it's okay. That squares okay with the First Amendment. You will decide what is hateful or what was the phrase, inciting hate against that long list of uh, racial, religious, ethnic, sexual-oriented groups. When does opposing somebody in that group, maybe opposing them strongly, become hating them? What if I think they're an idiot?
0: Well, if you buy into the whole critical race theory in that new book out from whatever his name was, um that uh, anyone who opposes universal health care, for instance, is a racist because it... In the healthcare system disproportionately affects black people. I don't think right. that's true, but that's right. what they're claiming. Well, then you got to ban that. Anything that speaks out against Elizabeth Warren's healthcare plan would be hate speech. That is absolutely correct.
1: According to the Washington Post review of that book, that's a racist idea. Exactly. And that is one of the dominant uh, philosophies on college campuses these days. So it might take a step or two to get there, but literally anything that the professors say is against the interests of minorities is racism it is hate speech and then he goes into his little bit about no one can doubt that this sort of speech builds an atmosphere where violence occurs who gets to decide the i mean unspeakably fuzzy question of when speech riles people up some people's all people, psychotic people, which people it riles them up enough that they might do something bad. Again, you are claiming for yourself the right to do that. The first amendment, first amendment near absolutism, not absolutism, but near absolutism is one of the most wonderful beautiful important things that humanity has ever done it's up there with fire it's up there with the very concept of 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 peace and organizing ourselves to protect our rights it's one of the most important things that's ever been done and this guy and people like him say trust me i'll limit it only in good ways when i'm in power you know, on the big- God damn you, Richard Stengel, and anyone who thinks like you! I will fight, I will bleed, I will die to oppose scum like you. Scum is probably uh ungentleman. Now oh, there
0: goes Joe's equilibrium. Oh, he's on the floor.
1: He's on the floor. He's on his <laughs> side on the floor. He's I, lost his equilibrium. I disagree, sir. I I remain upright. <laughs> Seriously, join with me, please. Reject this sort. It's it's seductive, isn't it? I'm just against hate. I'm just against violence. Just let me limit your speech and I'll guide you to safety. Um, on, on the, on the big issues, the whole, uh,
0: you know, can you burn the Quran stuff? That's, you know, interesting there. Um, obviously. But then when you get to into the mention in the article, particulars like m- minutia particulars like articles on Facebook, how in the world would you ever? deal with that right the voluminous number of them I mean, who, who would even do that if you were going
1: to try to do that algorithms well and the other it's, aspect of this and you're hearing a lot about it in the news is that mark zuckerberg and and those like him really ought to be uh, they ought to be uh, fact-checking uh, politicians and again it's a seductive argument but which politicians, when, when does spin cross the line into dishonesty? And yeah, I can recognize blatant dishonesty, and so can you, and we can agree on certain things, like the example that's been trotted out lately uh, by some activist types, and and I think AOC uh, mentioned it, is, can I run ads claiming Republicans voted in favor of the Green New Deal? And that's a good, blatant, black-and-white falsehood, but... The cure is always worse than the disease. Always, always, always. These are human beings who will make these decisions, and they cannot be trusted. History has taught us that lesson every time it's been tried. Just stop it. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Trump is the
0: most polarizing president we've ever had they, they they come to that statistic of what percentage of his own party likes him and then what percentage of the other party likes him and that and then the cross section of doesn't like and everything like that yeah so he's the most polarizing president we've ever had the number two most polarizing president we've ever had in u.s history is barack obama number three is George W. Bush. Wow. So the last three presidents are one, two, three on a graph going this direction. That's just where we are as a populace. I mean, you see it all around you. You see it when you watch TV, when you listen to music. It's That's just where we are. So it's not something unique to Trump. That's the trajectory we were on. Uh, a couple of different polls that uh, came out of this article in the Washington Post that were really interesting. Nine in ten Americans say they're frustrated by the uncivil and rude behavior of many politicians. That's really troubling. Yeah. The same number of people say they are tired of leaders compromising my values and ideals and want leaders who will stand up to the other side. Nice. <laughs> so okay. where I hate the polarization, but you know what I hate just as much is compromising. What... <laughs> I hate that I don't know what you'd do with that. Oh boy. <laughs> you get
1: more than two parties. you, you drink. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not a bad idea either.
0: Uh, the only common ground seems to be, according to a Pew study, the agreement that things are terrible. Overwhelming <laughs> majorities in both political parties say the extent of polarization is growing worse, and half of them say this is a cause for concern. I'd say it is. In your opinion, are things terrible? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and 70% of Democrats, 75% of Republicans say that the disagreements go with the other party go beyond policy difference. Uh, They say there's no longer an agreement about basic facts. The Gulf is wide because politics is carried out in alternate and competing universes. There's nothing here that we don't already know
1: or would disagree with. I think it's worth noodling through once in a while, though, to remind yourself. It's easy to get caught up in, like, the excitement of the crowd, your crowd, your political crowd, and, and lose sight of, all right, why do I feel this way? How did I get this way? Why am I screaming at the top of my lungs? And, you know, the factors are the ones we've discussed, polarized media, ideological bubbles, people signaling to their side that I'm on your side by going further and further to that side. So they're absolutely certain you understand I'm on your side. I'm for abortion into the sixth grade leaves no doubt that you're way pro-choice. In a way that, if you said, you know, I'm for sensible sliding scale, like most Americans, first trimester, I don't like it, but I'm okay with it. Second, etc. That's way, way, way too subtle. People don't. I didn't even hear that. I'm too busy. I don't know how you stand, so you signal it by going way out.
0: If you're older, you know this. If you're younger, it might be hard to believe. But as we talked about before, when I was younger, um, what party somebody. Favored was not something you would ever know. It never came up in conversation. And if somebody mentioned it, like if you were at a backyard barbecue and somebody just said, "I'm a Democrat" or "I'm a Republican," you might have thought, "Why are you telling <laughs> me this? <laughs> why? Why did you bring that up? That's weird." And you wouldn't have cared. Right? That's just that's the way it was. Well, that's not the way it is now, Joe. Political scientists and pollsters have been charging, char- charting. The deepening polarization for years, highlighting what has been a steady increase in negative perceptions of people who identify with the other party. Here's one example from the Pew report. Fifty five percent of Republicans say Democrats are immoral up from forty seven percent just a couple of years ago. Mm. Similar. Well, on the other side with Democrats, uh, it's jumped from thirty five to forty seven percent in two years. Wow. Wow. Uh, of people who'd say the other side is immoral. If you believe the other side is immoral, you don't want them at your backyard barbecue. You don't want your daughter or son to marry them. Yeah. You don't want them to move in next door. No. If you believe they're immoral.
1: Right, you can't motivate people to vote these days in the age of uh, constant entertainment and hyperbole with a, I believe our policies are somewhat more wise than the other ones. You've got to convince people that they are at risk for their very lives Because the other side are uh, aligned closely with al-Baghdadi and Satan.
0: Right. Pew uses what pollsters call a feeling thermometer,
1: which asks people to use a... Is that uh, an oral feelings thermometer, just out of curiosity, or or the other kind? Anyway, (laughs) go on. Probably not important (laughs) to know.
0: Uh they asked people to use a scale of 1 to 100 to numerically express feelings toward someone or some group on the feeling thermometer. Ah, I see. Today, 83% of Republicans, 79% of Democrats, so let's call it 80%. Sure. Give those in the other party ratings that are either somewhat cold or very cold on that chart. Compared to just 2 years ago, Republicans are 14 points chillier in their assessment of Democrats, Democrats are 18 points frostier in their assessment of Republicans. Wow. There has been an especially sharp rise in the percentage of people who give the opposing party members a very cold rating. Mm. A related measure highlights why this problem can't be solved easily. Today, the percentage of people who are both warmer in their assessments of their own party and cooler toward the other side has grown a lot. Among Republicans, this this percentage has jumped, for for instance, 49%. Two years ago to 75% today. It jumped 26 points. Wow. Since they did it in 2016. And these are 2018 numbers. So it's just <sighs> two years. Grew by half? Among Democrats, it has risen from 53% to 71%. Well, virtually the same numbers. But it's just incredible. Huge leaps in just a couple of years for the owner. Oh, no, the other side is immoral and bad. Really bad. I mean, I have a bad feeling about
1: them. Wow. I have the solution, Jack. And it's going to anger and disgust everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, your independent ticket for president. President Mitt Romney, Vice President Joe Manchin, who is the most moderate Democrat in the Senate. The barely Republican Romney, the barely Democrat Manchin, with the agreement that Joe Manchin will have a big role in the administration. And... I wonder what the reaction would be once, you know, the the really strongly partisan people got over their shock and horror at the very idea. I wonder if that would win. Because there's a great, there is exhaustion over the hyper-partisanship. Okay, I so, know it.
0: So that gets to, and I'm not going to get into this now, maybe later I will. Um, George Will had a column over the weekend Amer- that fits in with this perfectly. Americans' current political moment might be so bad that it becomes good. And it gets to, you reach a point where everybody says, okay, this is just not working.
1: Right. You know what? I think the attitude, and I want to hear more about the will column, but is that I'm sick of this, but I dare not let down my guard because I'm constantly under attack for my politics or at work or online or whatever. I'm getting a Facebook post. So I, I don't want to let down my guard, but I'm really kind of tired of this. I, I think that's true.
0: And again, the headline really is, Trump is the most polarizing president we've ever had according to statistics but Obama's second and yeah. W is third. Yeah. We just we've changed as a country.
1: You know, I became aware uh, not long ago as a golfer that sometimes you have to make such a bad swing that you realize what you've been doing wrong. It's got to be disastrous before you recognize what you're doing. And I think that's probably something like George Will's point, huh? We're we're just so Whacked now, we might recognize how whacked we are.
0: Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.